Hello, and welcome to the City Grace Podcast. We're so happy you've decided to join us today as we learn how amazing it is to follow Jesus. Enjoy the message. It's good to be here this morning. Thank you, Pastor, for allowing me to speak today on Father's Day. Uh, It's a day I enjoy very much. Uh, It's too bad I couldn't have had my grandkids first, but that's the way it is. But uh, glad to be here this morning. Preach on Father's Day. All right. If you have your Bibles, turn into Matthew chapter number 12. I read from the King James Version. I'm old-fashioned. I love King James uh, Version of the Bible. And uh, just what I was raised on, cut my teeth on. And so it makes a lot of sense to me. I enjoy the NIV. I like reading it occasionally. I enjoy the Amplified Version of the Bible a whole lot. The Amplified Version is, uh, to me, very beautiful. But uh, King James is what I memorize, what I use for my prayer, my devotions, my time with Jesus. After all, he was from England. Amen. If you have the scripture, uh, we used to do this old-fashioned way. We used to stand for the reading of the word. Would you like to stand for the reading of the word? We stand in honor to God's word and reverence his word. Matthew chapter 12, beginning at verse number 9. And when he was departed thence, he went into their synagogue. And behold, there was a man which had a withered hand. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day that they might accuse him? And he said unto them, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep, and if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath days. Then saith he to the man, Stretch forth thy hand. And he stretched it forth. And it was restored whole, like as the other. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. God bless his word to our hearts. How much then is a man better than a sheep? The question hasn't always been asked. How much would you pay for a sheep or a goat? I asked brother. Melchor, he has a restaurant. They cook all kinds of delicious food. One of my favorite Hispanic foods is birria. Mmm, goat meat and marinated in the sauce. Oh, man, that's, that's good. So I asked him, how much does a sheep cost or a goat cost? You've seen the signs on Highway 12, Highway 37, goats for sale, sheep for sale. And he said, oh, it can range from $150 to $180 for a whole live breathing goat. Hmm. But how much is a man worth? Think of what you can do with the sheep if you bought a sheep. If I bought a sheep, there's a lot I could do with it. I could sell the wool, make myself some clothes, clothes. I get tired of him, having to feed and clean up after him. I could turn him into lamb chops. 
So there's some value in a sheep, you know, in a goat. But there are places in our society that have very low premium or put a low premium on mankind. For instance, in the bars. There are conditions in which people live and places that people live, slum areas that rate humanity very, very low. But heaven is an exception to all of that. The Pharisees, they had a sacred scale. They felt like days are more important than healings. Institutions should have priority over pain. Traditions are more important than life. And so they said, this man should wait 24 hours. Let me get rid of all this extra weight. Not that there's money in that wall, it's just... Maybe I ought to set it up here and put it open and say, bless the Lord and His work. Amen. (laughs) But they felt like institutions should have priority over humans. Traditions are more important than life. And this man with a withered hand, he should wait 24 hours before he comes to be healed. Their defense allowed for no exception. They became the jury that would decide all these different cases that were lawful or unlawful. But Jesus, oh, I love Jesus. (laughs) He showed this court of jurors what was wrong with their conclusions in, in these three sentences that we read. They said, he said, what man among you, if he have one sheep, this is all I got, and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath day, won't he go find some way, some crook or something to hook that sheep and, and pull it out of that pit and rescue it from the overexhaustion or heat and, and uh, heart attack and failure? Uh, he said, if it falls into the pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? Uh, Officially, that's a breach of the law of Moses. Uh, That's breaking the regulations. Uh, All those laws would be violated. Uh, In their estimation, they're saying, hey, uh, you shouldn't do that or you shouldn't do that. But uh, we understand the necessity of saving that sheep. we don't, uh, we understand the sacredness of that sheep. To the Jew, that sheep represented money, commerce. And so they're saying to, or and they're thinking, we don't want to lose money. It's not a question of acting as a humane society would act. It's not concerned with PETA or the SPCA. It's a matter of profit and loss. And so Jesus touched a nerve here with those Jews. They would not have understood him had he appealed to their pity. They would not have understood him had he appealed to them with regard to a human being. So he appealed to them in their commercial interest. How much better is a man than a sheep if an institution can be set aside to save a sheep because it's too valuable to be lost what may be done what should be done in the interest of a human being 
If you really are alive and you appreciate mankind and you look at your fellow man and, and the interest of that fellow, in the interest of that fellow man, uh, what should be the priority, a human being or an institution? A human being or a set of regulations? What should be the, the priority? And all arguments focused on this. And, and Jesus is making it very plain to them how God feels about it. He's saying people are too valuable to be lost. He said on one occasion, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. And in my judgment, mankind is worth the saving intrinsically in the inside there's something so valuable in a human being uh, that I've got to go there and rescue them no matter the price no matter what I have to give no matter what I have to do at any rate my estimation of them is that they are so valuable they're so valuable there's an old proverb that says the worst you can do with a man is hang him and sometimes that must be done. But it must be done reluctantly. <laughs> Understanding it is a wasteful thing. But God goes further than that. And God is saying, I'll put up every roadblock that I can if I can save a person from going out into a lost eternity. He's saying man is too precious to be lost forever and ever and ever. God is saying, I'll employ every resource available to me. I'll do all that I can to save a man from perishing. I'll give and give and give and give again. If I can save one man, save one woman, I'll reach for them. I'll call to them. I'll give them a Bible. I'll give them laws and instructions. I'll give them David a king. I'll give them prophets. I'll give them if it costs me my own self. I'll come and manifest myself as the son of God. And I'll give and give myself if I can save them. There's value in a human being. Said it must be done. If it's done, I will not do it reluctantly. There'll be no waste about it. I'll give myself wholeheartedly. And so we put this question to you today. What is your attitude? Should you say in yourself, I'll oh, just let them suffer. Just let humanity go on suffering. It doesn't involve me. It doesn't affect me how people are suffering in this world. It's having no effect upon my home or my attitude or my job. Oh, no, 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 church. We need a change of mentality. We need a change of attitude. That world is hurting out there. They need a Savior, and you've got what they need. It's for you and I to take it to them and tell them about a Savior that thinks they are of value intrinsically on the inside. They have such importance. They have such great value to God. Years ago, a philosopher by the name of Carlyle, English philosopher, he passed away now, but years ago he's speaking to his countrymen and he said, England has 30 million of population. Most of them are fools. It's such contempt for humanity. Such contempt for those that were quote-unquote uneducated. That philosophy that says the estimate of humanity is that they are just a bunch of fools. No, humanity is not just a bunch of fools. They are not 
cannon fodder. They are not something that should be blown up by nuclear weapons. They are not just a bunch of people that have no value and it doesn't matter what happens to them. Blow them out into eternity. Oh, no, no. It's not saying humanity is so much waste and, and he's just an unintelligent mass of humanity. No, they're not people that should be manipulated at will like Hitler or Stalin or the Caesars or the Pharaohs have done. That's showing contempt for the people. Humanity is precious to God. People are precious in God's sight. Jesus is saying in that other world, uh, that spiritual world, that bigger, larger world, there's a value upon every human being. There's something beautiful in every human being. And they're so valuable, I'll give myself to the salvation or for the salvation of their souls. I don't care about institutions. I don't care about laws or regulations. It's bigger than that. It's about a soul. King David wobbled on this. He discerned that man was not in the place that he was set for and he was living far below the angels and he failed to contemplate and comprehend the real force of that fact and he asked impatiently what is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him he went on later on and he wrote these words he said man is a vanity he's like a shadow that passes away his temptation was don't pay too much attention to him oh there's such a bigger world than humanity but Jesus Jesus, oh he, oh, he came against that philosophy. He said that I love people. I love everybody. I love everybody. And everybody is important to me. Everybody, James, is important to Jesus. Everybody, 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 everybody is important to Jesus. Oh, you're not just a blimp on the radar. You are important to Jesus. He cares about you. He loves you. He knows you. He's got the hair on your head numbered. He knows your address. He knows your social security number. He knows everything about you. He knows all your ups and downs. He knows when you're hurting and he knows when you're on the mountaintop. But what he really realizes is, hey, you are of value to me because you are made in my image. There's a soul on the inside that's going to live forever and ever and ever. And I value you. I value your soul. I value. The philosophy of science is, traces man back to the apes. And it's done irreparable damage to man's psyche and how he looks at himself. You're more than an ape. You're more than a polywog or a tadpole or a frog that evolved. You're more than that. It's more than just a big bang theory. You were created in his image and in his likeness. Amen. You're more than just something that's wallowing in the gutter with the garbage and the rats and the parasites. You're more than that. Amen. Oh, you're more than a baboon. Science has said, oh, this is what we think of mankind. And these are our philosophies. And we'll put it in text and put it in literature and feed it and cram it down your throat. We reject 
reject the notion of a garden of Eden and mankind and a creator coming down to walk in the cool of the garden with his friends. We reject that. We rather choose the prehistoric caves with prehuman brutes gnarling on their bones. Oh, no, no, no. You're more than that. You are created in the image of Almighty God. More than just the philosophy of science that downgrades man and glorifies the ape. And so the thinking of Jesus was a shocker to these men. And so it is when the preacher arrives. God let the preacher come this morning. Amen. Now I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about the Holy Ghost. Let the Holy Ghost arrive this morning. Let the Holy Ghost let it, let it ring in our soul. Well, I, I recall I was raised in church, uh, and my mom and dad take us to church as kids. And uh, I recall one little Sunday school hymn we used to sing, uh, and it said, "Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in His sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world." Amen. Oh, the brown, the red, the yellow, the black, the white. Jesus is saying, you are important to me. There's no other reason for my coming. Oh, there's no other reason for my being manifested. You are important to me. I care about you. I'll give my life for you. If you weren't important, I would have stayed in heaven and enjoyed the adoration of the angels. I would have enjoyed my heavenly family and the relationship I had out there. But he's saying, oh, I couldn't stay there when I saw my humanity lost and going astray I had to come down and find him rescue him, seek for him he goes he's important to me he's important to me he's important to me I've loved the way Paul said it he makes it so personal and I've adopted it for me he said he loved me and gave himself for me Turn to your neighbor and tell him he loved me and gave himself for me. Mankind is not just a mud ball. He's not just something vile and dirty. Man is just lost. Lost. Just lost. I love camping. I love to go out in the forest, go up, set up a tent, Put a little fire in the camp grill there. But I'm a big chicken. I'll not wander too far from the camp. You know, I've read all those horror stories about people getting lost in the mountains and being snowed in and freezing and their toes falling off and their nose falling off from frostbite and all that. I'm a big chicken. I don't want to get lost. I don't want to think I'm going this way and actually I'm just going in circles and circles and circles. That's humanity. We're lost. We're just lost. Jesus said they're just lost. 
And he took upon himself a title. He came down amongst us and he took upon himself the title of Son of Man. If you look at the history books and if you read anything of history, you'll find it interesting how men inject into their names titles and prince and duke and king and knight and lord and president and prime minister and and the world system goes out to great lanes trying to call themselves privileged and the fortunate but Jesus came down and all he said was I'm just the son of man I'm just one of the common folk and I want to mingle with the common folk. I want to touch the common folk. I want to be down here with the common people because this is where I come. This is what I came to do. I came to seek and to save that which is lost. Just common humanity. Do we have any presidents here this morning? I don't see Carter or Bush, Bush, Bush or Obama or. Trump, I don't, I don't see any presidents, prime ministers. Here's a real trick one. Is anybody a son or a daughter of a king? Uh, uh, I'm getting ahead of my message here. But hey, 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 we're not of this world system. We're not a prince or a princess of this world system. Uh, we're just common humanity. Uh, Anybody here a millionaire? You're not paying your tithes if you are. You're not giving offerings like you should. We don't have millionaires in here. Common folk. They earn 25, 35, 50. $60,000 a year trying to squeeze that dollar and make that nickel scream uncle just trying to make ends meet. Just common folk, common people hurting, trying to struggle and get through in life. Jesus came down to mingle with the common folk, rub shoulders with the common folk, but elbows with the common folk and hug a common man reach out to a common man and lift him up just the common man was in the temple that day just had an old disfigured withered hand hanging on the end of an arm and now they looked at him with contempt oh man he shouldn't be in the synagogue looking like that but Jesus took note of a common man just somebody hurting and needing the help amen and Jesus is saying that's who I came for I didn't come for the privileged and the fortunate. I came for the down and outers. I can see in Peter, he is speaking murderous words and his temper is hot and his language is foul. But in Simon Jonah I can see an apostle Peter. I look at Philip, he's mundane and just laid back and seemingly just a matter of fact, bland existence. But I see an apostle in Philip. I look at these men. But I see these boys. I can see men. I can see the clean in the leopard. I can see the virtuous in the harlot. I can see the generous in the Zacchaeus. Man is worth the saving. I can lift him up. That was his belief. The religious leaders took exception with him. Crucified him. But he came as a common man. 
I love Paul's language in Philippians 2. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and being found in the likeness of men. He humbled himself and God and gave himself my Lord he gave himself up for you and I common people amen he didn't ask for any exceptions he didn't say well no I don't I'll I'll go by by, bypass that part but I'll do anything else no 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 when the excruciating pain was upon him he refused the sponge oh what is it he said I see humanity they're valuable to me and whatever it takes Whatever length I've got to go to, whatever I have to do, I'll win him back to myself because he's valuable to me. He was not God masquerading as a man. He was a man moved with compassion for lost humanity. He saw man and his need. And as a man, how God thought a man should be, he said, I just can't allow man to go on that way. I got to reach him. Amen. Oh, everything about Jesus was colored by this thought. I've got to reach him. He's eternal. He's valuable to me. Uh, when you read your Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, soak it in. How Jesus mingled with the common folk. Uh, he taught it in simple phrases uh, about the value of man. He said, he's just a lost sheep. He's a lost coin. He's a prodigal son that's gone astray. And I got to seek him until I find him. Nothing is more important to me. Nothing will ever take that place in my life. Nothing will crowd out those thoughts out of my mind and out of my heart. Nothing is going to have precedence in my life. I've come to seek and to save. These are the orders I receive from heaven. I'll search through the obscurity. I'll search through the darkness and the lateness of the night. On the mountain steep, sheep can be so silly. And they say it will so easily wander. But they're so helpless. And they cannot find their way back home. And so through the cold night, in the ravines and up the mountain steep, I'll go on and I'll search for my sheep. Where are you, John? Where are you, James? Where are you, Michael? Sandra, where are you? Mary, I've come seeking for you. Are you down in that ravine? Are you up there on that mountain steep alone? The brambles and the bushes tearing at you. Wolves hounding you. You're just a lost sheep. I'm talking to you this morning. I'm talking to us this morning. We're just lost sheep. And we need a shepherd to come find us. Amen. Oh, and the burden is on the shepherd to find his lost sheep. That sheep is going to get dirty. It's going to get torn by the brambles and hunted by the wolves. But it's a sheep. It's not a goat. It's not a pig. It's not a jackal. It's a sheep. A simple sheep that needs some guidance and needs some to help it out of its way. (laughs) 
It's our relationship. He's saying, this is my relationship. I'm just a shepherd. I'm just a shepherd coming seeking lost sheep. I'm seeking their welfare. That's the obligation placed on me. I got to find the sheep. What good is a shepherd without sheep? What good is a shepherd without sheep? And so he says, I come seeking my sheep. I gotta find him. He's lying on the side of the ditch covered by the branches and I'll pull him out of that ditch and I'll pour in the oil and the wine and I'll set him on my beast and take him to the end. When others walked away, Jesus said, I'll stop and help him. I'll dig past the dirt and the rubbish and the dust. I'll ignore their tarnish. That coin's got to be found. It must never be abandoned. Good housekeeping will not permit it. And so the image, because the image of the king is stamped on that coin, and I gotta find that lost coin. You have the image of God stamped on you, created in his image after his own likeness. And he's saying, I gotta find you. You're just a lost coin. You have value to you. Said a man loses his son. That's a giant of heartaches and heartbreaks. I have a pastor friend and he called me and he said, Pastor, can you please come talk to my daughter? Uh, her husband has abandoned her and left her and is gone and ran away. and She doesn't know what to do, which way to take. And I put on my clothes and got in my car last night and I made the journey and made the trip and I sat down with this family, mom and dad and their daughter. We talked and and she began to pour out her heart and broken and weeping and crying and I looked over at mama she's weeping and crying and dad is broken and wiping tears and I know they're hurting and they're saying that's my daughter that's my baby I, I brought her up on my knees I taught her the ways of God she loves God she don't want to lose her relationship with him and somehow she feels like she's the fault and we began to talk and I began to reassure it's not you sweetheart it's not you but I want you to understand young lady nobody can make you backslide nobody can cause you to go astray nobody can cause you to wander away hear me hear me young lady find your place in a closet and call out to your shepherd and he'll come down and he'll meet with you and he'll talk with you and he'll reassure you and as we sat there and talked I said let's pray and as we prayed the Holy Ghost fell in that room and he was broken and you see mom and daughter and daddy hugging and weeping on each other and crying why that's my baby that's my daughter and Jesus is saying you're my son you're my daughter you're prodigal you've gone astray but I won't leave you out there I'll go searching for you when you hurt he hurts when you're alone, he understands. He'll come looking for you. That boy, that prodigal son, he made the wrong decision. He had the wrong ideas. He made some wrong choices. 
bankruptcy followed and drove him almost to the edge and reduced him to be a pawn of the swindlers and found himself feeding the swine. But he's a prodigal. He's a prodigal. He's not a pig. He's my boy. He's my boy. And that boy and that swine pit and feeding and slopping the hogs. And that boy understood and knew in his heart, somebody loves me. Somebody's thinking about me. Somebody wishes I was back home. Somebody's reaching for me. And that boy climbed out of that pigsty. He climbed over that fence and got down and made his way and journeyed back home. And while he was yet afar off, that father saw him and that father ran to him and threw his arms around him, brought him home, said, put a robe on him, put some sandals on his feet, put a ring on his finger. This, my son, was dead, but now is alive. But hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. The good crux of the matter, the, the whole juicy stake in that story is this. That boy came to himself and he understood somebody loves me. Somebody wants me. There's a road back home. Hear me today. Somebody loves you. More than this bishop. More than that pastor. Somebody loves you. You were created for bigger things than to live in a pigsty. You were created for better things. There's a God in heaven that has a plan and a purpose for your life. And he cares about you. Somebody loves you. Somebody cares about you. Jesus understood this. And he put his practice. It was just not a theory with him. He put it into practice. So he associated with common people. They heard him gladly. He cared. And they knew this guy cares. This one cares. Jesus was never antisocial. He never put people in catalogs, the privileged and the underprivileged, the cultivated and the uneducated, the vicious and the rich, the morally filthy and the morally clean. No, he mingled with anybody and everybody. He was not exclusive. He didn't belong to a country club, nor did he just live in the ghetto. But now he mingled with everybody. He did not allow his wisdom to make him a snob. He did not allow his poverty to make him paranoid. He did not allow his convictions to make him withdrawn. He did not his passion permit his passion to make him compromise. But he walked down the streets wherever they were, yet without sin. He well, he dined with the wealthy, but he fed the hungry. He appreciated a rich girl's perfume, but he enjoyed the music of a poor couple's wedding feast. He substituted himself for Barabbas, a social anti-anarchist, but he borrowed a rich man's. Tune. 
tomb. Oh, it was only those that withdrew themselves from him. Those that separated themselves from him and hid themselves behind wealth or class or religion that shut themselves off from him. But he was concerned with anybody and everybody. He sought them. He moved to them when they were on the beach or in the synagogue where they worked or at a well in the field or in the marketplace he fraternized he socialized his critics and the journalists said all kinds of things about him they questioned his credentials they expressed innuendos about his sanity they accused him of being half off a little bit crazy some accused his pedigree and contemptuously made fun of him he's a son of a little legitimate oh no no but he said I come to seek and to save ah, that which is lost. I come for sinners. Anybody qualify? Anybody qualify? I qualify. I qualify. Sinner. Came for sinners. We don't like that word in our modern society. Our vocabulary, we're trying to do away with it. But he came for sinners. He came for sinners. Amen. He believed it was necessary to be employed in his father's business. He attended weddings and ate with sinners. He drank water from the jug of a woman that was shacking up as he revealed himself to her as the long-awaited Messiah. He exchanged views with the lawyers and made a foreign servant, a foreign Occupier, he healed his servant. Amen. He found his humanity wherever it was, however it was, in the temple or naked and half dead in a ditch. He looked for humanity wherever he was. He said, For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Mankind was already condemned. He got condemned way back in the Garden of Eden when he ate of the forbidden fruit. Jesus said, I didn't come to heap on that condemnation. I came to save you from that condemnation. Oh, I come to bring you back into fellowship with myself. Amen. I come to lift you out of the pigsty. I come to lift you and make you a child of God. And he said, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who's called you out of darkness into this marvelous light which in time past were not a people but are now the people of God which not have which had not obtained mercy but have now obtained mercy oh my God came to seek and to save he makes me a king not a pawn 
He makes me a son, a prince in his kingdom. Amen. He extends to me the welcome and the assistance of heaven. He shows me by every proof possible how he can dwell in this human body of mine in the form of the Holy Ghost. He said, I don't need you to, no, I don't want you no longer to wallow in the pigsty. You are a son of heaven. Heaven does not put you down. Heaven lifts you up. Oh, he's the good shepherd. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Lo, I am with you always so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my shepherd and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Amen. That's not a calm campaign promise. That's not a promise from Trump or Hillary or Obama. This is real. This is God saying, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Oh, I'm with you always. Oh, Jesus. If you could ever discover, if it ever dawns on you, that in Jesus I'm not worthless. In Jesus I'm not hopeless. In Jesus I am of value. And so the scripture says, let us therefore come boldly to a throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Oh, oh my God. Hear me, church. Amen. One beautiful thought. And I'll close. I'm closing with this. I learned. I've been living for God since 1969. I don't know how many years that is. I just turned 39, so it's. <laughs> Since 1969, I've been living for God. Gave my heart to Jesus. And through the process of time, it finally dawned on me. Thank God. Thank God. Thick-headed stubborn it finally dawned on me God wants me as much as I need him oh I don't know about you but I need God I need God I need the older I get the more I realize I need God. Ahí viene la bola. Ahí viene la bola. Those years are catching up to me. Amen. La bola is rolling on. It's getting close. And the bones ache and creak in the morning. And it takes a while to get out of bed. And See these teeth? They're not real. Ahí viene la bola. My wife and Heather and I have a conversation. We're both saying, huh? Huh? What? Well, telling myself, I, I said, well, I got to get help. I went down and got some ear dilly boppers to help me hear. I put those things in. I thought, my God, I can't hear nothing now. It's just a roar. 
I just keep saying, huh? What? I've in a labola. Life's catching up. It's making me realize I need God. I need God. But I learned this. I've learned this. God wants me. God wants me. Old, broken down. He wants me. He's not going to say, let's get rid of this one. It's too old to do anything. He wants me. He wants me. He wants me. He wants me. I need you, Jesus. And I want you. I want you. I want you. I need you and I want you. Oh, I so desperately want you and need you. I rest in that. I rest in that. Unless I hinder him, he's going to bless me. He's going to lead me. He's going to accomplish his purpose in me. He wants me. He wants me. How much better is a man than a sheep? How much more does Jesus want you than he wants sheep? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He spreads galaxies out with the word of his mouth. Angels adore him and praise him and worship him. But he wants you. He's reaching for you. He's calling to you. He came seeking you. He didn't seek angels. He didn't seek stars and galaxies. He came seeking you. For more information about City Grace, you can find us online at citygrace.church. We'll see you next week.